0: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.
1: Welcome everyone to the uh, Thursday night uh, weekend kickoff show. My name is Andrew Spade, and I am joined tonight by Jack Duffin. Live across the pond, we've got to be. Let me do the math quick. Is it? It's midnight, Jack. Is that right?
0: Happy Friday. I, I come to you from the future. <laughs>
1: so Jack was good enough to volunteer to fill in this week because uh, Jake Burns has got some other commitments. And, uh, and then Jake told me that he's maybe not going to have enough time to do the show. So I said, Cody, why don't you co-host? And so now I've got two co-hosts. Cody, how are you tonight?
2: Good, man. Doing well. Ready for a little Thursday night football this evening, and it's I guess it's Friday morning football for Jack, or, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what they call football in the UK, if it's <laughs> something with soccer, and I don't, I don't know what they go with it, but anyway. Just American football. Just a, oh, American football. There we go. With, with an O instead of a U. Right, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, excited for another, yeah. to preview another Browns game, and uh let's get to it. Yeah.
1: It's American football in the UK, which is five syllables. So way too many, way too many syllables. And uh, from what I understand, if if you say American football in the wrong crowds, you're it's it's trouble, right? Is that that's right? I mean, if you if you say if you say American football to football fans, what do they do, Jack? Roll no, their eyes.
0: about American football, it's just, it's just something people say soccer. It's like, oh, I well, sure, it. yeah, no, we know
1: we know that's out of bounds, absolutely, yes, well, or in it in, isn't time, in public. Right? Yeah, I gotta okay.
0: say. I- I've
2: learned more from Ted Lasso about soccer than I knew in the entirety of my previous 35 years on mm-hmm. this earth. So. Yeah,
1: they're doing a public service with that show for sure. Um, and, and and Cody, I noticed that you are wearing the Elf proudly on your chest. So that uh, that that actually segues into the first thing I want to talk about, which is how about this uh, controversy that was stirred up this week when the Browns decided to put the angry Elf at midfield for the season? Or I guess the fans did. Uh
2: I don't understand why it's a controversy. It's, it's a logo. It's not offensive to anybody across <laughs> any outlet or any walk of life that I know of. Would anybody be offensive. It was voted on by the fans. The majority of fans like the logo. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm in that camp. I love the logo. This shirt's actually nearly probably a decade old. Uh, but I picked it out specifically because Brownie is back now with the team. Yep. I know some of the national outlets didn't understand the history, so they kind of bashed it. Mm-hmm. until people corrected them and said, this has been a part of this team's history for 80 years. Um, it, we lost it for a little bit, but it's back now. And uh, I'm a stern supporter of it. I like it. I love that it's at midfield now, uh, and I don't understand what it's about. Um, and most importantly, just go win football games. You can wear where the hell you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You're you're referring to Rich Eisen caught a lot of heat from Cleveland fans this week because he came out strong in opposition to the Elf on a show on, well, maybe that was Tuesday. It's hard to, hard to keep track. And then on Wednesday, uh, Nathan Zaguro went on there and, and kind of, uh, I don't think that he ever went as far as a retraction. He still thinks it's not a good look, but uh, you know, he has more context now. And so I think overall it was, you know, obviously it's much ado about nothing, but I think it was interesting that people outside of the the Cleveland area got so invested in, in what the Browns put at midfield, uh, Jack? You're in the UK, and from what I understand from the last time we talked about this on Twitch, a so brownie is a is a is a Gaelic uh, mythical creature. Uh, so, what are you? What are your thoughts on the elf? Give me a dog. Okay. So, Jack <laughs> is team. Jack is team dog, and that's fine. That's fine. We've got room for those folks too. Um, so, you you in your in your perfect world, there'd be some sort of angry dog at midfield.
0: a oh, happy dog. I I'm, I'm oh. just. I'm, I'm happy just with a dog um yeah not i'm not a fan of the elf side there, there's a really great um mickey mouse browns shop. it's got an elf in the middle of it and i'm like it's only a small elf but that's enough of an elf i'm like yeah i'm good yeah um browns uh, dogs, andrew you go no ahead and kick elf. him out of the stream uh, jack will try this
2: again <laughs> next week uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean we tried but
1: it's past your bedtime jack so i think we'll just go ahead and yeah, and we've got Paul Spencer in chat who is uh, vehement that there should be no happy mascots. He's an angry mascot only guy, and he has been for a long time, which is funny because, as far as I know, the the New York Jets it's a it's a plane. How do you get an angry plane? Anyway, uh, we don't want to spend all of the evening on uh, on the uh, the mascot question. Uh, I did want to chat chat quickly um, just off the top about this Thursday game, probably the best game of the week. Uh, it's happening right off the jump here. We got Chiefs Chargers in uh, just over an hour. Uh, Jack, let me go to you. Uh, your thoughts on this game?
0: As long as Patrick Mahomes gets over two and a half touchdowns, I'm gonna be a happy man. Um, so, uh, no, I it, this could easily end up as the single best game of the entire season. Um, and it's happening this early on, so uh, exciting. In, in, Thursday night football is always the easiest one for me to watch of the primetime games. Even though it's a 1.15 in the morning kickoff, not too bad. If you're going to do it, do it on a Thursday going into a Friday, not on a Monday or a Sunday night. Um, and usually the slates are really poor. But we've got some better games this year, but having what could potentially be the the shootout of the season, yeah, it's it's going to be exciting. When it's the, uh, the dreary old games of like Jets versus the Jaguars, I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I'm going to bed. I don't need this in my
1: life. Yeah, I, I know I heard at one point that there is a – oh, man, is it Panthers-Falcons I think later in the season is a Thursday night game. And so uh, you've, you've got at least one week where you can get some solid sleep. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Cody, uh, what, you, what are you looking forward to tonight?
2: Well, Jack's talking about starting a game at 115. I can barely make it to like the third quarter of these I games. Know. You know? It, know, It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I love it, man. I love their dedication. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, just echo what Jack said. You're talking about sometimes I have to take a step back when I look at these games across the entire slate of, of how spoiled we are with the quarterback playing in the NFL right now. We were talking about this in Slack the other day. There's six, seven, eight, nine guys that are either borderline Hall of Fame or on the way to their Hall of Fame. And the two of those guys are playing tonight, and Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and two guys that could very easily, two teams that could very easily, um, make the playoffs and make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, it's definitely going to be a shootout, I think, without a doubt. Uh, but you get to see just the best quarterback play in the NFL tonight, head to head. I'm very excited to see what happens. Two teams the Browns could end up facing at some point, you know what I mean, yep. in the playoffs. Uh, yep. But yeah, very much looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the Browns, of course, do do face the Chargers here in just a few weeks. So it'll be a good preview of, of one meat grinder that the Browns are going to bring into town here in a few weeks. Uh, and and they're not scheduled to play the Chiefs, but as Cody said, of course, the playoffs would be a different uh, beast. Uh, you know, I, I, I do take requests, and I appreciate the chat is going crazy already. Mr. Katopka wants to know, uh, fantasy football update, and I, I have the, the the current leader in the fantasy football league uh, on the stream here, Jack Duffin, uh, is 1-0, and he scored the most points. Won by uh, I'm looking at this, he won by 51 points. I'm not sure who he beat, but uh, very impressive performance by Jack and uh, Cody and I. Both lost. He beat, I, uh, he beat lost. some
2: guy. He beat some guy.
1: Some guy. <laughs> oh, I see. He beat Cody. So there we go. We've got I've got I've got two sides of one matchup here. I lost to Anthony Reinhardt. Um, I was the highest scoring loser, which uh, is not a plaque that you will ever receive in the mail, but it is true. I did score. Uh, my well, my team scored 100 and, 119 points and still lost by 20. So. What are you going to do? Uh, Trey Lance absolutely boned me. Uh, all right, let's 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 uh, pivot from all of this and let's talk Browns. Um, they are playing the Jets on Sunday. They are six and a half to seven point favorites, depending on where you get your lines. So uh, books have a, a fair amount of confidence they're going to win this game. Um, you know, they're, they're going up against Joe Flacco, who is, uh, I, mean, I think we all know who Joe Flacco is. So we've known who Joe Flacco has been for some time. Uh, he is not elite. And at this point, he's barely an NFL quarterback. He, he looked really bad against Baltimore. Uh, but let's start on the other side of the ball. Let's talk Brown's offense versus Jets defense, because I think, you know, a lot of the questions coming out of week one were about the quarterback and um, if it was going to be as bad as this all season long. Um, you know, let, let's start, though, with the offensive line, because I think you know, they dominated against Carolina and against a fairly good defensive front. And so I'm curious to see uh, you know, what this offensive line has in store for a good Jets defensive line anchored by Quinn and Williams. Um, and I think it's a great matchup and uh, and could be another key for the Browns being able to keep the ball on the ground, keep it away from the Jets and play with a lead. So, Cody, I'll go to you. Um, you. You mentioned some of this in your preview today on the OBR, um, looking at some of the key matchups. You had the guards and the center against Quinn and Williams. Uh, tell us a little bit about that matchup, what we can look forward to.
2: Yeah, I think – I mean, we, we know the Browns are a run-oriented team. They're typically right around even with, with the run-to-pass ratio every season under Stefanski. I think that's especially going to be um, kind of enhanced, if you will, with when while Jacoby Brissett is under center as they, as they try to maintain the ball, score points, keep the sticks moving. But that key matchup with with the Browns' guards versus Quentin Williams, it, 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 that's the one to watch. And you look at the Browns' interior, yeah, you don't have Nick Harris so you don't have J.C. Treder in the center – but you, but you have those two guards, and they can make a lot of hay in that middle of the, of the way they play the, the wide zone, getting to the second level and getting some space when they need to with Petonio and Teller. And I don't think they'll have trouble uh, slowing down Quentin Williams. It's it's a key to do that. Uh, he's, he's, he's a force upon that interior of that defensive line, and they, they allowed um, just negative 0.27 E3, EPA per rush in week one versus the Ravens. So we're talking about a top 10 uh, rush defense when him at the helm – but I, I, you argue you want to put your best versus the best. That's what the Browns are going to do. I think the Browns are, have a better matchup in this case, and they shouldn't have trouble running the ball with Bo Chubb and Hunt this week.
1: All right, uh, Jack, your thoughts on this? I think, you know, one one of the things that I'm looking to see is Ethan Posich was, uh, you know, he was he was he graded out at sort of a backup level uh, last week against the Panthers. And um, like uh, Cody said, he's going to have his hands full this week. I, I don't have a question about Batonio or Treader. I'm sorry, or Teller, but um, – But Posich is the concern. He's sort of the weak link. And so do you you think he slowly improves as he feels more settled into the offense?
0: I think they just need to cover him and give him some help. Because if you're Mm -hmm. saying to him, hey, Postage, you get Quinton Williams and we'll get the rest of everyone else. Well, there's not much of everyone else. Uh, Franklin Myers, he's limited, I think, still in the injury report. So it's going to be interesting to see where he shakes out. But, if you're only up against Quinton Williams, then one of the guards should be joining that every snap. Same way as, hey, if, he's not quite Aaron Donald, obviously, but if you're up against Aaron Donald and you're five on four, you're instantly going, it's the centre and one more, whichever side you're going, keep him quiet, and then we should be fine with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that seems weird to say. If you'd have asked me going into week one, would I be saying, and everyone else, I'm, I'm fine. But James Hudson played well. Um, the fact that after the first drive, I basically forgot he was on the field um, is an, it's an absolute testament. That's not slander uh, before anyone thinks it is. So I, I, I'm just fine. I, our O line's going to do a job, and you've got the best guard tandem in the NFL, and I don't even think it's close. If Quinton Nelson is running wild, then it's on those two guys. Um, Postage just needs to be okay, and one of them dudes helps out. Everything should roll. Okay.
1: Yeah, so I think that that kind of sums up the one of the one of the areas of concern that I have. The other, you know, sort of star player. I mean, it's a big big word to use, but he he looked great in the first week. is Sauce Gardner, uh, you know, he he played very well. Had a lot of uh, responsibility against Mark Andrews, from what I saw. Uh, Cody is another guy that you mentioned in uh, in your preview today. Um, I I didn't watch a ton of Cincinnati games in college, so I don't really know who he is as a player. Do you have a sense of Of what to expect from sauce is he gonna who who, is he gonna be on Cooper you think or does he get the second guy
2: I'm looking that right now to see if we have if we have expected matchups right now I would assume it would be close but let's look and see so right now the expectation is that sauce will go against Cooper for 23 snaps yeah so the majority of time it appears that he will be covering Cooper which if you're the Browns okay you have sauce Gardner obviously selected highly and, and highly-touted player coming out of the draft. But you have a veteran, one of the best route runners in football, and Amari Cooper. It's not going to be a welcome to the NFL moment type thing where you're playing this, just some random corner. But I think I think Cooper's going to garner more targets this week. If you looked at any of the clips that Jake Burns or Corey Kennens, uh shared in articles or via Twitter, Cooper was open a fair bit last week. I, I think he'll still be open this week, and I think Jacoby – will not force him more targets but look his way more and take mm-hmm. advantage of his skill set this week. Uh I think he'll probably in my opinion I think he'll be still be the most targeted player this week instead of Donald Peoples Jones uh, even with Sauce cover him in in coverage.
1: Okay, yeah. I, I I that's one thing that came up. It's kind of related, but one of the things that came up in uh, Alex Van Pelt's press conference today was that they're expecting to use David Njoku more, which was a question that we all had after that week one performance. Um jack i'm wondering from your perspective um we've got you know it feels like with the dpj breakout game you know not to oversell it but 11 targets and he made every catch and 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 made some tough catches um it feels like we've got three legitimate targets the browns do uh to 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 for Brissett to sort of work between so how do you see that target breakdown sh- uh, shaking out for week two
0: i think we see a little bit more of a move away from your two wide receivers because mentioned source gardner is great. DJ Reid is a solid um, corner as well. Um, not one of them you hear much about, but he, he just performs and gives you good play. And, and in fact, turns into the matchup of, and it might not be the case that it's Cooper and um, DPJ always wide, because you can easily put Cooper into the slot and and throw another guy out on the boundary. But I think your inside is probably where you're going to see a bit more of an advantage of Quan Alexander. I'm not that scared of in coverage. Um, I'd rather be throwing the ball in his direction than throwing it anywhere near source Gardner. So um, I I would say that's definitely one to keep an eye on of um, some more in the middle, the interior sort of um, targets versus let's not mix it where their strength is. Their strength of the defence is Quinton Williams and two corners. Um, Their free safety, safety is not great. So anything in the middle, I feel a lot more comfortable than the boundaries.
1: Yeah. And fumble 13 makes a great point in chat. Uh, horn is supposed to be a great cornerback and Cooper had him on skates at times, which I think is, is absolutely right. Uh, you know, Cooper came into the league known for mostly for his, or you know, has developed his reputation as a route runner first and foremost. And I think that that is, has, has proven to still be there because as, as Cody said, he was, he was wide open, uh, you know, multiple times on Sunday and the ball just didn't get to him, which brings us of course to the big question on offense, which is Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, he was inconsistent. I think it's probably the 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 right way to say it on Sunday um, there, you know, there's, you know, you certainly hope that he can find some more consistency uh, this week and, and can make the throws that the offense gives him when there is a wide receiver running open or a running back running open that he can put the ball where it needs to be. It doesn't even need to be on them. It just needs to be kind of in the area. Let him adjust and go get it. You have to, get it get it in the neighborhood um you know so i that's that's one area uh jack back to you um do you expect that as he gets more comfortable in the offense maybe a little bit less emotion he mentioned after the game on sunday that he was feeling pretty emotional you think we'll see a more settled jacoby Brissett this uh, sunday
0: yeah i think it will certainly get better um and we saw many joe Burrow six turnovers Mm -hmm. um and week ones are just weird weird things Tom Brady, you always used to see him sort of stumbling around at the start. Aaron Rodgers this year, last year, mess week one. Um, I'm not expecting him to suddenly turn into a Hall of Famer uh, week two. So uh, to temper expectations there before anyone gets too carried away. But if we sat here week three, week four, and we're winning despite of Jacoby and it's not good, then we have a problem. If it's the case that we're seeing that sort of, hey, gets 5%, 10% better every single week. That's where you want to be. See that nice, smooth, linear improvement. And that's where I believe it it's heading. Um, and it just takes time. Because even preseason games that fans get really excited about and think, oh, we need to see more of these guys, doesn't really matter too much. Because half the time you're playing against the Bs and the Cs, and the team's not very good. Whereas this is when it really shows. So I think we're going to see a, an improvement over last week, and then we'll see that again in week three. So just takes time, and we'll get there. We just benefited, really, from a, a poor start to the schedule of what we're playing um, because, yeah, we could have easily started with Bills, Tampa Bay, um, and, yeah, he,
1: he Chargers, could have been green. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I, Cody, uh, I, I noticed Kevin Stefanski in his press conference on Monday was – was seemed pretty relaxed about Jacoby Brissett and his performance, not in the sense that he was okay with it, but just in the sense of, you know, it's a first game, and, and you know, there's jitters, and, and there's emotion, and it's his first game in the uniform for the Browns, you know, first regular season game. And so he, he seemed to feel pretty confident that things would improve. And so I guess the question that I have is, you know, they won despite Jacoby being where he was. And I think to Jack's point, you know, if they continue to have to win in spite of him, it, it puts them in a difficult position down the road. But how much better does he need to be uh, for the Browns to beat a team like the Jets?
2: Yeah, I think when they brought over Jacoby, it, it wasn't for him to be this explosive downfield passing kind of quarterback like Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers and that Josh Allen, that multiplayer. That's not what they brought him here for. He was here as a stopgap, stopgap, and he knows that's what he came here for, too. He spoke about that. This was an opportunity to fill in on a good team as a starter for about 11 games for the season. <laughs> And what they need him to do is you just gotta be average, or a little bit above average. I think he was a little below expectations last week. He finished a typical right around the mid bottom tier in most metrics, 18th in EPA per play, 23rd in success rate, and 28th in PPF great. Some some areas to improve that we've all seen watching clips and rewatching the game this week. But for Jacoby, I think it's just getting, like you guys said, get it settled down. Find those schemed open receivers, running backs, tight ends. They're going to be there almost every play. Somebody is going to have at least a little bit of separation where you can put a ball, sometimes a little bit of a tighter window than you'd expect, but just play average to above average and take care of the football. That's the big thing. Most teams, when you, when you win the turnover battle, you're going to win the football game. That's what the Browns need to do on defense. That's one of their whole um, objectives is to take away the ball while limiting explosive plays. And an offense, you want to take care of the ball and create explosive plays. And I think that's what they'll do this week. And when you're playing a Jets defense, I mean, you're playing a Jets team, you never look ahead the schedule. Any given Sunday, anybody might be anybody. But just strictly on paper, the Browns are far better than this Jets team. But you still have to show up. and You still have to play football. If you, yep. th- if you throw three interceptions at your own 40, you're in trouble. Regardless right. of how good that defense is. You're playing with the short field. So yep. take care of the ball. Find your scooped up in receivers and, and just – Play at a steady level, and they'll be perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, Fumble Thirteen just said the same thing, and that's that's where I was headed. At, you know, after after you finished Cody, and then you said it, which is, you know, the, the reason they brought him in here is because he doesn't turn the ball over. And so if he can keep doing that, then you know they could they can probably with this type of schedule for the first few weeks they probably can win in spite of him. Um, and 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 then we'll just see how much improvement we can get. You know, and then I think once the schedule toughens, then they'll be in a position either to say, this is our guy and we figured out how to win with him, or do we need to start looking at, you know, rotating with Josh Dobbs, maybe having some sort of wildcat package with Josh Dobbs, or, I mean, I, you know, certainly I don't think Kellen Mond or Josh Rosen are in a position to contribute this season. So it's really Dobbs or Brissett. I, you know, there's no real other options other than, you know, like maybe just (laughs) a lot of direct snaps to Kareem. I'm not sure. Um, can one take, quick question. Touch ahead. one thing right
2: there. I, I yeah. just, it slipped my mind. When it, when it brought me up when you were thinking of that is that one concern I do have is if the run game, not that it ever would, if it gets shut down, mm-hmm. it's going to be a troublesome area for this offense potentially. Because we saw last week they won in spite of Jacoby, like you guys said, but the, but the ground game was unstoppable. You have Chubb getting 141 yards, Hunt doing his thing. Um, so the the worry is that if they, if this ground game gets shut down at any point of any game, or should the Browns fall behind by a couple scores, it's going to be tough for them to play catch up with the way, with the shape the passing game is right now. I just wanted to add that in there.
0: I think that's a great point, Jack. I think the balance though is if they're going to shut that down, it's probably going to be eight dudes to go and do it. And the minute you've got Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Njoku basically straight up against two corners and the safety, then uh, I feel we see a, a passing game struggle. But then if the balance moves from a team playing um, nickel to a team only playing three DBs effectively, yeah. because the strong safety is in the box, then the balance probably comes back. And, and that's where we see some, some splash plays deep. Um, I always come back to the Titans, where it was meant to be Derek Henry versus Nick Chubb. And every, the boxes got stacked and DPJ just went straight down the uh, right sideline that it, you might suddenly start seeing some Jacoby-Preset um, big plays. But we've seen it. It's been a trend in the NFL this season, certainly looking at week one. It's just getting shorter and shorter air yards. So how far the ball's travelling, and then it's a lot more short, short plays. Um, Jalen Hurts was the lowest in the league for average depth of target. The ball is just, is throw short and let dudes run. So, you don't need the big arm. Yeah, it's fun. I, I would much rather see 40-yard bombs every play, um, Patrick Mahomes style, but it, it's not where the league's at at the moment. It's very much short. It's surgical. So he should easily be able to do that. Okay, I think we've we've covered the
1: offense. I just want to clean up a few questions in chat here. And, and if either of you guys have anything on these questions, feel free to jump in, but otherwise I'll just run through them quick. Pat Shea asked, uh, might we see more of David Bell and Michael Woods um, you know, my, my take on that is probably not, I think they, they I mean, Bell was out there a little bit, but I, th- I think those guys are probably a limited part of the offense until the, the main targets really see their share, you know? So I would expect as, as Jack and Cody kind of alluded to earlier, Cooper, Njoku and DPJ being sort of your three that get the lion's share of the targets. Uh, you know, does Bell occasionally get one, you know, on a, maybe an empty set or something like that? I, I think that's a possibility. I would expect Michael Woods probably is on track to be inactive again this week, depending on how the roster shakes out if they decide to call up Chester Rogers. To that point, Kevo wants to know, uh, Kevo680, what are we going to do about our punt return game? Well, they signed Chester Rogers, who is a, a a veteran punt returner and has returned kicks as well. So he's got some skill. He's on the practice squad, so they can elevate him three times uh, before they have to put him on the active roster, as far as I understand it. Um uh, but Mike Prefer today said that he's the backup right now. So he's the backup plan. So it sounds like it'll still be Felton this weekend, uh, which has got us all, um, you know, crossing our fingers and, uh, holding our breath, but you know, it's, it's just catching a punt. So it's, uh, shouldn't be the hardest thing in the world. Cody.
2: Yeah. Uh, with, with, with Felton back there right now, it's, it's like the Jack McBrayer, 30 rock, uh, uh, uh guess, you know, whizzy, like, <laughs> shaking, shaking his water, you know, but it, every yeah. time, every time the punt comes up, I'm like, just catch the ball, right? Do whatever you gotta do after that. I, I think he'll get better. Yep. He had those first game jitters, but it was just very uncomfortable. Every time a punt came up that I was worried there was gonna be a fumble. If there's first three, he dove for two of them. If I remember correctly, like had to die dog to get one He dropped one. But I think Chester Rogers is the guy. I believe that's why they brought him over. He has some experience at receiver, obviously, but I think, in my opinion, he's predominantly was brought over this team to be a return-type guy, especially mm-hmm. for the punt return game. If I remember correctly, I think he averaged over nine yards per punt return throughout his career, which is a pretty that's respectable right. yep. uh, figure. So uh, that's that's my opinion. Uh, probably be Felton again this week with, I believe, maybe Jerome Ford doing kickoff returns, uh, but we'll see.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh... – it's not a good situation. Obviously they signed Jakeem Grant to be this player for them. And um, once you spend that kind of money on a player and he gets hurt in the preseason, you you're kind of left trying to fill a void for the rest of the season. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Um, and, and I, yeah, I, I expectations are not high for Felton. I, I the, the thing that I said after last week's game is if he's not catching punts. And so they bring somebody else in to do that. He's not really doing anything on the offense. So where is his roster spot at that point? It's a, it's, I think it's a question that uh, will become pressing over the next few weeks, especially if he continues to struggle to catch the ball, which it's really, you know, I mean, it's, it's underrated, but you really can't do that. Um, so let's, let's talk, let's flip the ball. and Let's talk about the uh, defense against the offense here, because uh, the Browns defense played an exceptional game of football for the most part. Uh, and then they had two plays where you wanted to go hide in the other room uh, until it was over. Um, what, what was about half of their net yards, the Panthers net yards came on two plays. And uh, it's certainly overall looked like a good defense that understands where they're supposed to be their role. They came out like a house on fire. And then, uh, you know, they had a few mistakes and it put them in a really difficult spot to end the game that they shouldn't have been in because the defense doesn't allow those two big plays. You know, the Panthers probably end up with 10 to 13 points and the Browns win by, win by double digits. So, um, the first thing that, you know, comes to mind for me and and cody you mentioned this in your in your piece today it's another weak offensive line against the browns very strong defensive line so we've got miles garrett going against george fant who is on the injury report with a knee problem uh and then i i will be honest and say that i do not know who is starting at right tackle for the jets because it was supposed to be fant and then uh uh, makai becton and then dwayne brown got hurt and so now Fant's playing left tackle and uh Robert Sala maybe is suiting up as right tackle. I'm not 100 percent sure. So uh, it it seems like another great opportunity for this defensive line, and and maybe even some of the you know some of the other guys. Alex Wright had a really good game, but didn't put much on the stat sheet. Uh, I think he had a half sack. So it'll be interesting to see who shows up. But it feels like another opportunity for the defensive line, Cody.
2: Yes, sorry, I was on mute. I think it's Max Mitchell will be there. The we go. Yep. right tackle, and it's a Madden luck, creative buddy. player. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Clowney and uh, and Garrett should have a pretty fun time on Sunday. But I think when it when it comes down to for the Browns is that Joe Flacco, he's never been the most mobile guy. But even at this point in his career, you know, he's not the guy, even the quarterback he was of yesteryear. If you looked back to, to week one, how he performed under pressure, it was negative .67 EPA per play, and he completed just 26.7% of passes while under pressure on more than a third of his dropbacks. Uh, against the Ravens, so that's the key every week. And the key with the Browns specifically is greeting pressure with that front four. You know they don't do a lot of blitzes. There's not JOK's not coming in a lot. double's not coming in a lot. Uh, Anthony Walker's not coming in a lot. It's typically get as much pressure as you can with your front four with Clowney and, and Garrett, and then your interior guys, and make Flacco uncomfortable. He's a guy he still has certain abilities where if you just let him sit back there, he'll pick you apart with the receivers that are at his disposal, even with the strong Brown secondary. So have Clowney and Garrett coming off the edges, maybe Tavian, Brian, Elliott at the middle, and make his life hell on Sunday should be the goal of that defense. Uh,
1: Jack, it's uh, it's an opportunity for some of these guys that uh, we didn't see much from, but I would expect you know, I mean, I, I expect there to be more opportunities for pressure than there were against the the Panthers. I mean, we we know that Mayfield is susceptible to pressure, but. Joe Flacco's in, a, in another league uh, when it comes to the susceptibility to pressure. And so I'm looking for, you know, like a team sack effort, kind of like what we saw against the Bears last year, where, you know, the what was it, eight or nine sacks against Justin Fields? I'm looking for something like that on Sunday from this team. Uh, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think it will, we might see a little bit more rotation this week, just because it was basically play one, two, three, punt, and Baker loves a bit of that. So um, it was either a punt or it was a TD he, he threw long. And that seemed to be the the gist of nearly every single Panthers drive. Um, there weren't much moving of the chains. And that meant that they, it, it was crazy. We, I haven't checked the numbers, but it was over like 80% where the starting D-line was out there, um, mm-hmm. which you just expect so much more rotation with those guys. You're usually looking around two thirds. Um, but that dynamic will probably change if we get to a point where they're not looking for the big players much. They're coming into this game and they're, they're happy just to move the sticks. They're not going, Hey, we're going to come in here and win and it's a revenge game and everything else. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it's one where you probably will see more different names popping up at, at moments and pretty happy with how, we went into that game and it was, hey, the DT is going to be a disaster. Tommy Togia was, he was, was OK. Um, and that was something I never thought I would say before the game. It was like, hey, if if these top two are off the field, it's going to be a disaster. And it was like, no, oh, we're, we're fine. So rotation strong there. And yeah, they're going to eat. Um, mm. Someone said in the chat, Max Mitchell's 111th pick. He went in the fourth round and he's a rookie and being forced out there. Um, I'd be interested because the rumor is they are out there searching for tackles. Um, on the PFF, I forget which is Doug Hyde and uh, Brad um, Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were saying there was a tackle they were trying to sign just before week one that went somewhere else. And I wonder if that could potentially be Joe Haig.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, could be one to keep an eye on and who knows? Get a tasty offer and then leave them chat Conklin after the game.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because they they certainly wouldn't make a trade with the Jets before this weekend. So, um, you know, could you see, especially, you know, they've got the short week uh, coming up with Pittsburgh next Thursday. But uh, could you see potentially a trade after that game because they've got 10 days, you know, to get things right before Atlanta. So that'll be something to watch for sure. I mean, Chris Hubbard is another name that I think would would definitely be available for probably not that much considering the contract that he's on. So, um, yeah, I I think it'll be interesting to see uh I, to the to the point that fumble 13 made in chat how did Garrett and Clowney split up those reps on the right side they're both got to be licking their chops to go against a fourth round rookie so it's almost going to be a who gets over their first situation and I think they'll you know to some extent they'll probably want to be on the same side for a little bit with Clowney inside and and really put that right side of the G, D, Jets defensive line or offensive line I'm sorry in in some peril um you know I, I don't know that we need to sorry go ahead Jack
0: Watch out for the right guard, though. I don't know why you would spend a first-round pick on a guard, but Elijah Veritucker. Yeah, he's a good player. ...had a good game. He's, he's a good player. So he's the right guard. So it's right. very much... Probably won't stack both there. You'll just push whoever you want as far wide and yeah, then make yeah. sure whoever's going to be on that side, whether it's Jordan Elliott, whether it's Taven Bryant, takes the guard because then you're forcing the one-on-one. So I think that's probably what they'll do where... Yeah whoever's, say it's Jordan Elliott there, Taven Bryant's job will be the centre and the left ha- guard. So you might see bad numbers for him, but if he's blocking two guys up and allowing Clowney to, um, say, Garrett against George Fant, and then you allow Clowney against um, Max Mitchell, then you're going to have a heyday. So one of these two on the D-line's job is just going to be to suck in the left guard and centre and allow everyone else to have a one-on-one because their guards haven't, uh, their tight ends haven't been particularly effective in blocking let's go feast. And um, yeah, the the minute you don't have time to look, one of them DBs can hopefully catch the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, if
2: listen, if they don't have 15 sacks, they're walking to the Atlanta game. That's what it comes down (laughs) to. This is how it's going
0: to work. Pressures. Uh, No, it's (laughs) sacks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, the The pressure is high. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for sure. And I think, you know, last year, what was so gratifying is they had that same opportunity against a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, Joe Flacco is obviously not a rookie, but he he is a pressurable quarterback. He's a gettable quarterback and they've got a great opportunity and, and typically they have seized these in the past like they did against the Bears last year. So that's what I expect to see. Uh, I don't know that we need to talk too much about Joe Flacco. I think everybody knows who he is, but it's worth saying just quickly, that he has, you know, from where he was when he was a starting quarterback in this league, he's not there anymore. And, you know, he's a backup for a reason and, and very immobile. And so, the, you know, as, as as we've talked about, the Browns should should be able to pressure Joe Flacco extensively. Um, I, I did just want to quickly, in, in chat, Kevo680 uh, said, the interior defensive line did better than expected last week. Do you think there'll be enough for the season? You know, I think, and I want to go back to something, Jack, that you said a little bit ago about rotation. I think it's a great point. They've only got four days to come back and play Pittsburgh, which is a divisional game on a short week. That's a tough assignment. And so do, do we see the the Browns coaching staff being a little bit more intentional about load management to a certain extent to, I mean, you're not going to lose the game because of it, right? When they, if they need Garrett out there for a third down, it'll be out there. But if they can sneak some snaps in for Isaac Rochelle and Chase Winovich, they probably will to give those guys a little bit more of a rest because they've got to be out against, uh, you know, a, a Steelers team that could be 2-0. Oh, they've got a Patriots team. Uh, coming to theirs that, so you know, it, it could be a, it could be a matchup of two, two and O teams uh, on next Thursday night in Cleveland, which, you know, the, you know, the Steelers, no matter how bad their offense is, they're going to bring the juice. And so the Browns are going to have to be ready for that. So um, to, to Kevo's point, the interior defensive line looked good at the beginning of last season. And then Malik Jackson and Malik McDowell really struggled down the stretch because I don't think that they had the fitness to, to play for an entire season. So that'll be part of what we need to watch with the entire defensive line is how much can these, the second string, your Alex Wright, your Isaac Rochelle, your Chase Winovich, your, uh, to Jack's point, Tommy Togiai, Perry and Winfrey. Can these guys give them 20%, 30%, 40% of the snaps in certain games to give the starters a rest? I think that's a real interesting question and one that we'll definitely be following on Sunday uh, for this game.
0: Uh, other than that, I think Jordan the, uh, go ahead, just get rid of Chase Winovich. That, that's yeah. I mean, that's I'm right. right.
1: Yes. That's, that's somewhere. the other, yes. That's the other option is that they bring somebody else in because Winovich barely played last week. And so, um, you know, it's not, not clear why he's on the roster to me. Um,
2: uh, the other big question I think with he's the, only on the roster because of his number.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and because they, they traded a draft pick for him. So he's sort of a draft pick by proxy, right? Even though it was a John Dorsey draft pick. Um, the other big question about the defense is the the coverage busts. And so we know that last season it was something that they struggled with. It's a simple question. Do you think that problem is gonna rear its head again uh, this Sunday? Cody?
2: Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I, I I don't feel they can get away from it. I don't understand it. I don't it come it, eventually it's gonna come back to your coach because if your players are can't communicate with each other, there's an issue that starts from the top top to the bottom. And you see that team last week, dominate for two and a half, three quarters, completely dominate that game. Batted passes. um, Nobody was really open. Um, A great game. And then you see miscommunication and it's, it's every game at some point you have safeties or corners pointing at each other and their arms up in the air. I thought you had it. I know. I thought you had it. Mm -hmm. So the miscommunication has to stop. Joe Wood said as much today. Greg Newsom said as much. Everybody understands supposedly they met in the film room and reviewed all the communication and how, who, who has who on coverages, but I understand a little bit in week one, but we're not talking about an isolated incident in week one that happened just this right. season. I feel like this has happened a, a lot under the Joe Woods regime, and you've had the secondary with the exception of Martin Emerson. It's everybody that was played last year for the most part. So you guys should be on the same page at this point. Um, we'll see. I, with the deep threats they have, Elijah Moore can catch the ball downfield. Garrett Wilson can catch the ball downfield. Corey Davis can catch the ball downfield. Not that they'll have those opportunities with the pressure – I expect Cleveland to bring – I think they'll kind of scheme against that and do those quick big bend hitters, one, two, get rid of the ball type thing. Uh, but, but, yeah, I, I just – it's going to happen. At some yeah. point in that game, it's going to happen. We're all going to be disappointed because there's going to be a 60-yard bomb. That's, that's my opinion at least.
1: Mm-hmm. Jack, what do you think? Are you as pessimistic as Cody on that, on that subject?
0: So, I'm of the mindset, it's like we've seen bad defenses where – other, the other team would just make pass after pass after pass, and it's like mm-hmm. there, there is no plan. Whereas it, it was two monumental screw ups, um, effectively that we saw last game. And my question now is, this week, can we get that to one? I'm, I'm, if there is one mistake every single week, even if it costs a touchdown or it costs 40, 50 yards, I'm okay with that. If the rest of the entire defensive game, I'm like, hey. 60-odd snaps that one goes wrong, so be it, but that's there. Rather than, hey, there's 20 bad defensive snaps. None of them were TDs, but we just regularly move the chains. And it's when it starts, for me, the more frustrating thing you've seen, especially last season, was it's the third and eight, and they're getting first down. And it's like, that's the issue for me more than it's a first and 10 and boom, Someone someone's missed it or for, there was that snap with 10 people on the field. That stuff is the real, it's frustration and it's so, just pay some dude. If you give him like 20 bucks for the game and it's job to stand there and count and then if not tap Joe Woods on the shoulder and just call a timeout, it, it, it's not difficult. Nice. Um, there is ways you can manage all that sort of stuff. So I, I think they can get there. Um, and it, it's just seeing the reduction. So once, so be it. Um, and I, I don't think this game's going to be close enough that it's even going to impact it. So the first four weeks, let's get this cleaned up. You mentioned the Steelers. I'm not worried about the Steelers. Six turnovers and you need overtime to win a game. Mm-hmm. That, that is not like Brownsie level. That's a whole nother dimension. Mm-hmm. That is, it should be up there with one of the worst offenses ever seen in football. Um, that, that's grim.
2: Yeah. And hey, with with the turnovers, I want to touch on something right there. That Something yeah. we saw from last season that we're seeing again this year. Last season, the Browns only recovered 29.4% of fumbles. Mm-hmm. That was the fifth lowest in the league. We saw it again week one. I know these are just bad snaps, but there were four of them, and the Browns yep. got zero. Yep. So Plus Adam, that Miles
1: Garrett strip sack that should have been a recovery. Yeah. Hit, hit him right here.
2: Yeah. Or the one McCaffrey ends up going 28 right. yards down. Right. Uh, give me a break on that. So, yeah. so to put on what Jack said, okay, let's say limited to one. Okay. One big play and recover one of the fumbles. We're in good shape. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah, go ahead, Jack.
0: If they recover that fumble, um, the Miles Garrett one, then mm-hmm. we're short field. And because I think that drive is what led to one of the blown coverages or it was the, the next series after it. But, the whole, the game is completely different. We're sat here talking about, hey, we won by 14, 17 points maybe. And it's it's crazy how a tiny moment of, it can't be helped, the ball squeezes out under you. It's, luck is a massive factor in that moment. But suddenly it moves from, hey, it took a, a crazy field goal to, hey, we, we won by 13, 17 mm-hmm. points. It's like, hey, great.
1: Yeah, I think that sums it up. Uh, before we, uh, well, let's talk, we're, we're going to talk about a key to the game. And if you want to give a prediction, you're welcome to. I know that we're, we'll have the, our predictions on the website on Saturday. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just fun to, to talk predictions. But I do want to shout out Kevo680. Uh, who do you think will score more, the Jets offense or Zach Wilson with his teammates' moms? But I think it's a fair question. I think that's a fair question. And, uh, you know, it's our job to answer these questions, so we have to know. I'm not going to make you answer that. Uh, Cody, give me a key to the game, and if you want to give me a prediction, hit me with a prediction.
2: Okay. Uh, my key to the game is going to be the same thing I was preaching during the game last week on our, our on our Monday Rewind show. It's getting the screen game involved on offense. Uh, when you have Jacoby Brissett back there, we talked about not a downfield passing game, but you have and Joku has proven to be very successful in tight end screen game. You have Chubb and Hunt can get screens, maybe some quick hitters to Mari Cooper out in the flat. So that'd be my thing. Get those easy passes, easy completions, easy way to get yards with these athletes you have at running back tight end and wide receiver with Cooper and move the ball downfield. And that also helps alleviate some of the pressure what they're going to bring it at the quarterback when you get the screen game going. So that's my key. And with that key is also getting Kareem Hunt more involved. Uh, defense is going to be playing cover one a lot against the Browns this year. We talked about that. Jake emphasized that this week just because of the lack of explosivity on the outside. So in man-to-man coverage, you're going to have Hunt against a linebacker more times than none. Find that mismatch, get him the ball, let him do his thing. Yep. And prediction-wise, I will say 23-16 Browns.
1: All right. There you go. You've you got the same line of thought as Kevo, who says uh, taking care of the ball and time of possession is the key. He's got the Browns winning 24 um, 13. Yeah, let's. Uh, the, I, I, and I should have said this uh, when I introduced this piece of the, the show. Please sound off in the comments with your key and uh, score prediction. I would love to hear everybody's predictions. Uh, Jack, over to you for a key.
0: I think the key, the key for me is that passing game. I've got to see the passing game turn up. And it's not so much key just for this game. It's key for how I feel about the team for the rest of the season because, hey, we we might be able to beat these first four weeks and it's like, hey, we've just had to rely on the run, but then suddenly you're sat there four and seven by the time Deshaun Watson's back because, well, the run game isn't enough. So I want to see that. Let's get it going. And it's whoever's in the slot, because it it could be Harrison Bryant, it could be... Um, Cooper, it could be Bell it could be Felton, it could be Hunt whoever's in the slot and whoever's at tight end, predominantly David and Joku, they're the two I want to see the ball moving to, I can understand if we see less on the outside because you don't really want to throw in the, the direction of Source Gardner and Reed. so get something rolling in the middle but just even if it's like a couple of successful passes just each drive so I can go right they get it rolling. It's going well. Um, yeah. But then score-wise, I, I think 23-13. I, I think we're going to see a really convincing win. That that 13 suddenly moves to 17 with a, the tiniest of an extra blown coverage or something. Right. But, um, yeah, 23-13, I, I think it's going to be a convincing win. Um, it should have been one against the Panthers. But I think this week they, they hold it together. Um, and, yeah, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if that 23 actually rises. Um, but I, I don't think we're going to be worrying in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I go, yeah, it
1: is. It's a, it's a, it would be a nice, nice to have a less stressful, uh, finish than last week. That was, uh, that was a lot. Um, for me, I think the key is, uh, you know, can the Browns run the ball as easily against the jets as they did against the Panthers? Because if they do, then it really lowers the bar for what the passing offense has to be. And so if they're able to move the ball successfully on the ground, then, Jacoby doesn't need to do quite as much because I, I do believe that the defense is going to be even more, you know, dominant than they were last week against uh, Carolina. I, I don't have nearly as much respect for the Jets offense as I did for Carolinas. So I know that we don't think highly of Baker Mayfield as a quarterback, but uh, Christian McCaffrey and that wide receiver group is is, is talented. And, you know, uh, you know, Baker can always catch you with one, which he did. So uh, to me, Joe Flacco doesn't pose a threat. And I, I'll eat those words happily if I prove to be wrong or unhappily, I suppose. Uh, But to me, that's the key to the game is that the Browns can run the ball. I think the defense will play well. And so they can win a fairly low scoring game easily, which is a weird thing to say. But I would say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 to, let's say 20 to nine. We'll give the Jets three field goals and the the Browns will get two of their own. So and and probably Cade York nails one from the Elf. That's just a little bonus prediction there. Uh, Cade York nails one from the Elf. Um, we've got uh, superfly Rob saying key is score enough points not to have to rely on a game winning field goal by a rookie. That's absolutely true. 24, 10 is his prediction. Fumble 13, no turnovers, limit penalties, score 31, 20 Browns, uh, Paul Spencer, Jack's prediction, Z to nil, which is very helpful, Paul. Thank you. Uh, OG Philly key to the game. Brissette bring more accuracy, bring more accuracy outside the numbers. Last week he was six of 14. That's a great stat. Uh, 27, six OG Philly likes the Jets offense even less than I do. So there you go. That's the Browns-Jets game in a nutshell. We broke it down from every angle, I think. Didn't talk too much about special teams, but we all love Cade York. What else is there to say about that? Uh, I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the rest of the NFL. We talked earlier about the Thursday night game. It's probably the best game on the slate. Uh, Should hopefully be an entertaining game. I'm really looking forward to sitting down and watching it right after this. Uh, But let's talk about some of the other games I mentioned earlier. Pittsburgh at home. Uh, and they've got New England coming in. Feels like this could be one where the first one to 10 wins the game. Both of those offenses looked terrible last week. And I think, you know, the Patriots defense didn't look great, but they weren't as bad as the score indicated because the the Dolphins had a defensive score in there. So um, it, it looks like a, a a game the Steelers could win, in which case they would be, despite all of our uh, expectations, this could be a rough year for them. They could be 2-0. and oh. uh, Cody, your thoughts on that matchup?
2: Yeah, I do think the Steelers win that game, even without TJ One, I, th- I think the, the the Patriots, it's week one. We all have overreactions. We have underreactions sometimes as well. But I, I just think the Steelers at home against a Patriots offense that looked just horrible week one. Yeah. Uh, in a low-scoring affair, the Steelers go to 2-0, and that 2-0 doesn't last very long. I think it's one of those things where we hope the Browns don't go down that road where you win a couple games, you get confident, then you go into a harder part of your schedule, and then you realize – how a team actually is um, mm-hmm. strength wise, so yeah, I think the Steelers do win that game and go two and oh.
1: Yeah, it would and it would set up quite a matchup if we think the Browns win and the Steelers win two two and o oh teams. I know that the you know on either team is is at the top of the league right now, but I don't care. Browns Steelers it, with, with both undefeated. That's that's must see TV for a lot of people that aren't Browns fans or Steelers fans. So that that'll that'll do a really good number next uh, Thursday. Uh, uh, Jack, uh, how about you? Any, any thoughts on the, on the Patriots offense? It looked like they didn't know really how, how to move the ball at times. They they had a lot of wide receivers in the same spot. Um, they, they called plays that didn't seem to fit the down and distance. It seems like Matt Patricia might be a, in over his head, which is sort of what we expected going into the season, right?
0: Yeah, it's, it was a mess, but I think both teams are absolute shambles. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it, could, could we get a, a, a just for, uh, Paul Spencer, could we get a Z to nil for an <laughs> overtime because neither can move it any, anywhere? Um, yeah, yes, it's, it's a disaster. So, uh, if if there was a game where it's the over under set of 40 and I still think it's going to be an under, um, it, it's not going to be pretty, but 40. I think I think the, I think the <laughs> Patriots do enough. I, yeah. I think that I think they will still win the game, okay, um, just because I don't think they'll. Turn out get the same level of turnovers they got in Cincinnati, and right. that was that was what allowed their offense to do their mm. their work because they were operating from such a short field. Um, so all you've got to do is punt that ball away, and the biscuit ain't getting you seventy odd yards. There you go.
1: Yeah, the true biscuit. Uh, so another, you know, I'm breaking down the divisional games because the schedule is not that great this week. Uh, chargers chiefs, as we've mentioned, is a great game. Uh, there's, there's some good Monday night action. Uh, but the Sunday night game is bears Packers. I mean, I, you know, I, I will eat my hat if that is a close game. Uh, so let's talk about the Ravens going, uh, or hosting rather the dolphins, who we just talked about surprised the Patriots, uh, 20 to seven in Miami. Now they go on the road to Baltimore, a much sterner test, but, uh, you know the Dolphins offense looked interesting at times. They definitely have explosive players. It'll be a, a much better t- test for the Ravens secondary than the um, than the Jets passing game was certainly. So, uh, could we see the Dolphins go into Baltimore and uh, upset the Ravens, Cody?
2: I don't think so. I th- okay. I, th- I feel it could happen, but yeah. I th- I think Baltimore wins this game and also moves to 2-0 even with that revamped offense down down in Miami and in with, with their incredibly joyous head coach. Uh, but, I mean, with Waddle and Hill and they got yeah. Cedric Wilson and, and they got Tua and Chase Edmonds, they got they got a good offense. But I think Baltimore was my preseason Super Bowl uh, pick uh, to make it to the Super Bowl, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think uh, Baltimore wins that game, too. No, a close one, a very close game, but that, that's okay. just my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I meant to mention the Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites, so Vegas is expecting a close game, too, which is uh, – that feels a little short to me, but – you know, uh, that that maybe makes me like the Dolphins more, weirdly, because it's that, that old Vegas thing. Um, Jack, uh, your thoughts on the Miami offense, but then also, you know, how, how impressive was Baltimore in that win over the Jets? Because it, it's hard to know when you've got one point of data. Is it that the Jets are that bad, or is it that the Ravens are are back?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it was 66 yards rushing um, mm-hmm. for uh, the Ravens, which is just odd. Um, from what we've seen down the line of, of them usually ripping it up on teams so I, I think this is probably one where I still think Baltimore win but I think it's going to be close um this could easily come down to whoever's got the ball last um and they're just the team that wins um because there is just a, a crazy level of weapons in Miami's team you could easily throw the ball for two yards and Tyreek Hill or Waddles done, done something insane and you've got a TD from your 25 so um I think this is going to be a fun one Um, It's a shame that it's on at the same time. So Mm -hmm. It's it's one where I'll I'll have on the main TV the Browns game, but then I'll have Red Zone on uh, my Mac just to to one side. So, uh, dipping in and out as we go. But it's upset potential, um, which is always fun. Give me some carnage, give me a couple of injuries on either side. And it's constantly knocking out wildcard teams because um, that's that other thing, just keeping in mind, it's like... Not so worried about winning a division as a priority. Would love it to happen, but that's going to be a challenge. Whereas you start looking at these teams, Titans now look blown. Um, Not really going to be in that conversation. The more teams drop out, suddenly nine games might be enough. Mm. You've got sort of a 25, 33% chance with nine games. You get 10, you're in. So um, the the more teams drop in wins, the better. And um, yeah, give me the carnage.
1: Yeah, uh, Pat Shay's asking in chat. Don't, doesn't Baltimore have some key injuries? I think J.K. Dobbins might play this week. It sounds like I don't know about Ronnie Stanley uh, because I think he's he's in a in a in a tough spot with that ankle injury. And uh, Marcus Peters isn't back either. And they just lost Kyle Fuller. So the secondary, you know, not maybe what they were expecting preseason yet. So I could see the opportunity there for the, the dolphins pass game to sort of erupt, but uh, we'll see, uh, uh, you know, Ian made a good uh, point from the, uh, the OBR account. Uh, The last time Lamar faced Miami last season, they uh, smothered him by blitzing him uh, on uh, like half of his snaps or something like that. And he didn't know what to do. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that's a repeat because even though Flores was the coach last time, his uh, defensive coordinator stayed. And so, um, you know, they've got a chance to, to to repeat the plan because the guy that put it together is still there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they attack him uh, defensively. Um, uh, so then the third divisional game, the Bengals catch a huge break. Uh, Joe Burrow uh, has a terrible game. The Bengals lose in overtime in, at home, uh, and then they have to go on the road to... to uh, uh, what whatever that stadium is called, uh, AT&T Stadium in, in Arlington. But uh, now they're going to be playing Cooper Rush instead of uh, Dak Prescott because Dak uh, broke his thumb or something around his thumb uh, last week in that game against the Buccaneers. So now the Bengals have a very easy chance, of, uh, you know, an almost walk-in victory uh, unless Cooper Rush really surprises, which uh, I am not holding my breath for that. They The line opened um, before the Dak Prescott injury was fully confirmed at minus two for Dallas. And now it is uh, the Bengals laying seven and a half, so it's moved nine and a half points uh, with that injury, which uh, gives you an idea not only of how valuable Dak Prescott is to that offense, but really Cooper Rush is not probably even a backup quality quarterback. Uh, Cody, anyway, the Bengals screw this one up?
2: Oh, I don't think so. Outside, <laughs> if if they go in there and have six more turnovers, yeah. maybe, but I, yeah. I think this is a landslide win for Cincinnati. You know, take it's away a get with, right game. Take away those – exactly. Get right game. Take away half of those turnovers last week. They win that game easily, most likely. Yep. Uh, so I think they win this game fairly handedly. Uh, Burrow's back. Chase is back. I don't know if they get back to where they should be, Joe Mixon. Uh, I don't know if Higgins is going to play. It doesn't matter. If they get Tyler Boyd out there and throw the ball to yeah, – yeah. Cooper Rush back there. I mean, yeah, it feels easy, right? I think I'd rather have Jake play quarterback than Cooper Rush. Just <laughs> <out of that. laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think should, that's, should I think be
1: that's fair. Yeah. I mean, he's, he doesn't seem ready and he's done it before and proven that he's not really ready for it. So um, Jack, my question to you, this is a little bit more of a philosophical question, not as much about this week, but you know, there's that school of thought that says, well, your quarterback gets hurt. Uh, you know, he's the linchpin of the team. Why carry a backup? You you know, the backup's probably not going to be good enough to win games anyway, but but this, playing Cooper, Cooper Rush uh, for a team like the Cowboys that expected to contend to win their division, doesn't it almost feel like waving the flag a little bit?
0: Yeah, no. It was insane when they cut down to the initial 53. They only had Dak on the roster. So they I don't know whether they picked Cooper Rush up from someone else or they got rid of him then elevated him when they realized there was no one else. It was bizarre. But what I would have loved, and I, I said it all the way through the offseason, it was like, just hold on to Baker. I don't mm-hmm. care what happens. Tell him not to turn up. Just hold on to him because now Jerry Jones, um, drunk, he'd be uh, ringing you going, oh, I'll I'll, I'll give you a second. I'll give you you whatever you need. I think it's uh, a first
1: at this point, right?
0: Yeah, you you just absolutely rob the guy blind. Mm -hmm. Um, That's almost the opportunity that we missed out on, um, whether it was trading for maybe a wide receiver um, just someone that you could bring in. And I think you could certainly have got that deal done. Um, so, no, it, it's one where I, I'm not a fan of keeping the backup because you could always move that money into a starter. But then at the same time, hey, if someone works and it ticks along, then so be it. It's two, three mil, not the end of the world. So, um, yeah. How have Philosophically.
2: i about somebody. Right. Maybe they have.
0: Maybe they have. Right. I mean, you, right. you could,
2: odds would say that they have, but. You are telling me you're going to just gonna flush half the season now with Dak out? Yeah. That's what you're doing. Right. You go keep a rush on their center. You're flushing half your season. You right. might win one or two games over that stretch. Yeah. Maybe.
1: Well, I, I you know, they didn't put Dak on IR either. So they're carrying him on the roster, which says that they are optimistic he can go back sooner. But I mean, how many examples have we seen over the years of quarterbacks with hand injuries tr- trying to come back too quick, you know, cuz they're they're okay, but they're not actually able to grip the ball and throw the ball in the way that they're used to. And so it ends up, sorry about that, a little emergency vehicle going by the window. It um, was well,
2: a Wisconsin emergency. Somebody <laughs> ran out of corn. Somebody <laughs> ran out of cheese. There's <laughs> a The betting, line, the betting yeah. line
0: has been really odd on this game because it yeah. went out to nine and a half, ten after the injury. And I, I've choos- chosen them in my Survivor League because as soon as the injury happened, I was like, well, that's my pick this week. I don't even need yeah. to think. But it's now minus seven where mm. I'm looking. And it's like, how has that been bet down two and a half points? Yeah. Are people really looking at the Bengals or Cooper Rush? Is his parents loaded and betting on him or something? It's like, how do, how does that line move down to seven? If yeah. that drops the other side of six and a half, then... Yeah. That would be very, empty very the bank account. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go for it. So um, yeah.
1: No, I, you know, I, I, the only thing I can say about that is I, I, the Bengals, I mean, points well taken about the turnovers, but their structural issues on offense are still real. You know, I mean, Burrow carried them through the end of the season last year and, and, and chase, but they got a lot of easy ones last year with that combo and they're not going to get easy ones this year. And so if the defense isn't, you know, as good as it was last year, and then the offense isn't able to just dial up an explosive play whenever they want, I I see the problems with the Bengals offense. And so I I would guess that betters are basically just saying, well, you know, the Cowboys' defense is all right. Micah Parsons is probably going to have a very good game because Joe Burrow was uh, pressured heavily last week, and the, the Cowboys can definitely get after the passer. So maybe it's more a bet against the Bengals' offense than it is a bet, you know, against the uh, – or, you know, people aren't as scared about the Dallas offense in in, in uh, comparison. I don't know. That's just uh, off the top of my head. We've got uh, two more games I wanted to talk about. Um, it's a doubleheader Monday night. They're doing this thing where – the first game kicks off at seven fifteen, which for me is six fifteen, which is almost still the workday, and then they've got the uh, normal game kicking off at eight thirty. So it's Buffalo, Tennessee at seven fifteen on AB or on N, on ESPN. I'm sorry, and then uh, Minnesota, Philadelphia at uh, eight thirty on ABC. So it's a doubleheader, two different announcer crews. They didn't do it week one; they're doing it week two. I, I don't love it. It makes it hard to watch. Um, you know, the way they've got it staggered, you might be able to catch the beginning of the second game while the first game's at halftime, but you're going to miss some of the football. And the whole point of a national window is that everybody's watching the same game. So to me, it feels like, you know, just another uh, overreach where they're they're grabbing for money that uh, they didn't need to. It's similar to the way that these Thursday games are almost always unwatchable and are now on Amazon Prime. Uh, but I'm curious what you guys think about this. I mean, two good games, but uh, how's it going to work on Monday night? Cody?
2: I, I think it's going to come down to you're going to watch your market game and then flip to the other one when it's on a commercial. Uh, right. I, the thing about that Vikings Eagles game that might be the third best matchup of the week behind tonight and behind Ravens Dolphins. I think that might get a bigger viewership, but I mean Buffalo. I mean that that's going to be a crazy market up there. I think they'll win that game also handily over Tennessee. So you might see you might see that game people watch up till halftime. It's kind of boring. Bills are running the show flip over and they start watching that that Eagles-Vikings matchup, I think it'll be quite exciting, actually.
1: Yeah, that's the hope, is that only one of the games is good. <laughs> uh, Jack, it's a, even more of a conundrum for you, because not only is it hard to watch two games at once, but you will be watching these in the middle of the night. So it, I guess in a way, is it better for you, because now you've got two games to pay attention to and, and you won't fall asleep during a commercial break?
0: Yeah, no. So I just have the uh, the TV set up with one game and the uh, oh, okay, the Mac with the other. So they'll both yeah. be right in front of me. But yeah,
2: the,
0: the, Bill, the Bills game seems pretty boring. The the Titans are just cooked. Yeah. Seems like they're um, gonna wipe them out. Yeah, I, I think I was sat there doing sort of a look at the first four weeks of the season. Hey, if the Browns finish with four, and it was like I just chose the betting lines, and the Titans were zero and four. So going from right? it, winning the um division and this was uh yeah they were the number one seed last year number one seed last year and i could see them at 0 and 4 um, mm-hmm. and it's just incredible how quickly that can turn around and um, but the minnesota philadelphia should be a, a fantastic game um two teams that just want to throw the ball and go for it so uh it, yeah have some fun on that one and um, the lines over 50 so um should be some points yeah,
1: two of the teams that, I mean, you know, the Eagles let the Lions back into it late, but they, they look good offensively and uh, the Vikings look very impressive against the Packers. So that's a game that I'm very excited to watch. That'll be where my attention is. Um, and But it is also very fun to watch Josh Allen. So, you know, hopefully you can bounce back and forth uh, during commercials and, and make those both watchable. Um, He's okay. But it's- He's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mind watching him. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I mean, it's it's an interesting strategy from the league, and I'm, I'm not 100% sold on that being something that is going to make people happy. But uh, that's not really their number one concern, is it? Um, so that brings us back to tonight's game, uh, which is another one of these types of games where, you know, it's more about the bottom line than it is about the watching experience. Chargers at Chiefs, Uh, what what do we have? The Chiefs by four, is that right? I think, yep, that's right. Uh, Chiefs by four. I I picked the Chiefs by four uh, before we went live here. Um, I'll do the rest of my picks tomorrow. My column will be out with all of them, but I've got the Chiefs by four in this one. Um, Looks like a fun game. Hopefully, it's as high scoring as it's expected to be because uh, everybody loves to watch offense. And I'd love to see these two quarterbacks go back and forth and just trade haymakers for 60 minutes. So uh, no defense needed. Uh, I don't need to see Brandon Staley do anything. He can just uh, stay off my TV and and we'll focus on the two brilliant quarterbacks. Cody, uh, what are you looking forward to tonight most?
2: Obviously, it's the obvious it's it's those two quarterbacks. And yeah. I also want to see I believe Keenan Allen's out tonight. I, I he believe
1: is. that's a good call. So, he is. So,
2: so I want to see how Justin responds to that. We're well, on first name basis if you didn't know me. Oh, Justin Herbert. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, We've reached that point. Not quite yet, yet there with Staley. Made, I think Anthony's on the first name with Staley, but yeah, I, they're I, good I friends. Made, made it that way yet. But yeah. yeah. But I just see how, how Justin Herbert responds to that. He still has a plenty of talent at his disposal. But uh, I think the Chiefs come out with this one around 31, 27. Kind of a push on the line type thing, okay. but they hit the yeah. over. Uh, that, that's my prediction, and just just a lot of throwing the football and a lot of excitement.
1: All right, uh, Jack, uh, you have to choose something other than the quarterbacks that you're excited to watch tonight. Uh, these I I don't make the rules. Actually, I do make the rules, but and that's what you what you have to do.
0: I'm um, I'm just tasting the TD overs. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, just <laughs> that, for my yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've but, just got the uh,
1: that's your investment tonight.
0: That is my investment. Is uh, okay. Two and a half is that right? Two and a half for my home. So uh, okay, okay. First half, How's- lovely. How's like the juice is. on that? Pretty good? Uh yeah, it's uh, plus one ten. Um, oh, that's not bad at all. Um okay. a really good value. Anytime you can get Patrick Mahomes at a plus price to throw TVs. Yeah.
1: yeah. Smart sort of place investment. to put
0: your money. At two yeah. and a half. Yeah. 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 Well,
2: that's a no brainer. Well,
1: well I'm starting dry, uh am right? starting Travis Kelsey in a fantasy league tonight, and I believe in our OBR fantasy league, I'm starting Josh Palmer out of sheer desperation, which is not a great place to be, but it's a twelve team league, and uh yeah, that's so I'm doing
0: that. If Kelsey gets 100 yards, it will be seven consecutive games. Um, he's got 100 yards, and it'll be the first time in the Super Bowl era a tight end has done that. That's a good nugget. ridiculous. Like
1: That's a good nugget.
0: Five times, he's done six, and then he never gets the seventh. So it's either going to be a bomb, and that will be what it's blamed on, or he'll get all lauded for uh, doing yeah. seven on the bounce. But uh, just give me yards. Give, give, give me mm-hmm. points. Um, yeah. They need. They need to understand that some of us will be watching second half of at <laughs> three in the morning. Yeah. So, I, I right. can't be bothered with punting. Yeah, the Make it fun, fun for the
1: UK fans. fans. Oh, and yeah. the Chargers yeah.
2: aren't going to punt unless they're at their own four. Yeah, yeah, they're going. Yeah. For, they're going for everything. Yeah, the player. punter
1: has to be in the end zone. I think legally. I for just want to say
2: punt. I love when Jack starts talking about betting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. Love it. Yeah, it gets me excited. I'm not yeah, a fighter, no. but I love I love talking about
1: it. It's a good fit for this show because I am I am one that pays attention to the lines, and I I, I will occasionally put a little bit down here and there. Not not much, but I I, I enjoy a, a little taste of the action from time to time. I don't have anything on the game tonight. Just uh, just my reputation, which is uh, not much to wager at all. Uh, <laughs> that should do it for the the show tonight. We've went a little bit over, and I appreciate everybody hanging with us. We've got kickoff here in fifteen minutes, so. Uh, you know, switch right over from us to pregame and it'll be seamless. I really want to thank Jack Duffin for stopping by tonight. He uh, made an effort, really appreciate it. He's got a late night ahead of him. Hope that the game, I'm hoping for a hundred, Jack, I'm hoping for 52, 48. I think that'll, that'll put you, that'll, that'll keep you awake. You know, that'll be enough juice to keep Jack awake. I, it reminds me of that uh, Chiefs-Rams game way back when, two two or three years ago, that was, you literally could not take your eyes off the television because the, you'd miss a scoring play. So let's hope for something like that tonight. Thank you so much, Jack, for taking the time to join us. Uh, what a pleasure. And Cody, thank you for joining us. And uh, I look forward to us make, making this a regular thing on Thursday nights.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll try to be better next time. You just never know what's going (laughs) to (laughs) happen.
1: Just bring the elf back and everything will be fine. Uh, All right, so for Jack, for Cody, for everybody at the OBR, thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. We had a great time in the chat. Uh, Love the interactivity. You guys are all great. A lot of good jokes, a lot of fun. Uh, Appreciate your predictions. And uh, we will be back on Sunday for the pregame show at noon ahead of Jets-Browns at 1 o'clock. So, tune in to us uh, at noon on su- Sunday for uh, the pregame show, and we will be back with you then. Until then, have a great night. Go, Browns. Go, Browns. Browns.